Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. Good to see you, Will. And uh, what a week for the Braves. Yeah, l- last week we were talking about the upcoming trade deadline, I guess, right? So uh, let's let's go over the basics. First, they won exactly one game against the Dodgers. Then again, they are the only team to beat the Dodgers since... In a month. Yeah, in a month, a since month July now. 3rd, I think. That's right. Yep. Which is insane. Uh, they got swept by the Phillies yeah, in that, kind that's... of embarrassing fashion. That, that was I mean, what was getting really swept awful by the since Philippines we last America. talked. Um, it was b- pretty clear before they went to Philadelphia that their, their wild card hopes, which were always remote, were pretty much gone. And But then to lose four straight to the Phillies. And this Phillies team is awful. I mean, if it weren't for the Braves, their, their record would be, I mean, their record's horrible anyway. But the, only, <laughs> the Braves have lost nine out of 11 to, to the Phillies this year including the last four they just played. So, I mean, once that and that, that got you right up to the trade line, deadline, right? That, that series was mm-hmm. four games through Monday. Um, and obviously, by that time, it's clear the Braves would be sellers and not buyers. I mean, I think most people assume that the whole month of July, but it became crystal clear. So, we can assume the Braves, you know, sold off a lot of players last Monday, right? And they made exactly zero trades at the deadline. <laughs> right. But you know who did yeah. get traded at the deadline? Uh, once again, Jaime Garcia. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. uh, so that was, I mean, the thing we should Garcia say about the trades. Garcia was the one player they had that had any value, I guess. Yeah. Um, but here's what we should say about the trade deadline. Technically speaking, it's passed, but that's the non-waiver. The Braves have several players that I think would easily pass through waivers. So if they wanted well, to unload some folks... I'm trying to remember the full list, but you know you can find out who got put on waivers. Yeah, pretty easily, and it's everybody you'd expect: Dickey, Phillips, Marcakis. Yeah, you, you, those revocable waivers. There's no reason yeah. not to put anybody on it, just in case something comes along, and at least you can find out. Um, also, literally every team puts half their roster on waivers. Right, right. So, yeah, that that doesn't tell you anything. But it is true in the Braves' case. If there are some of these veterans that they, they can unload for something, they probably can still do it in August. Um, what, what's kind of, you know, much of the talk leading up to the trade deadline wasn't about which of the veterans can they trade for prospects, but it was could the Braves get Sonny Gray? I, you know, those rumors were everywhere. And the whole idea was the Braves might actually trade some of their prospects to get an established veteran. We haven't had any of that yet in the copy era. It's coming at some point. But I'm tell you the truth, I'm relieved it hasn't happened yet. I really did not want to see um, them giving up prospects for Sonny Gray at this point. Even in the offseason coming up, maybe, maybe it's time to start thinking about competing next year and which prospects do you part with but um i'm just as relieved going to the off season with all of these prospects still in the braves organization right and i mean dustin pedroia got on the disabled list this week 
Yeah. So the, yeah, maybe Brandon Phillips will go to Boston rumor started almost instantly. Um, and, and, and that could not very done. well happen. Of course, Brandon Phillips is a third baseman now. Right. So here, <laughs> here are all the other weird internal transactions and movements. <laughs> right. First, Ozzy Albius gets the call up. On August 1st. That, that's the craziest thing of all, because in April, if you'd said Albies would get called up and would become the starting second baseman on August 1st, you'd say, yep, that's just what I would have thought, well, because clearly they would trade Phillips at the trade deadline. <laughs> they did not trade Phillips at the trade deadline, and they called him up anyway. They clearly had that plan, no matter what. You know, we, we'll never know, maybe, but you know, the, the rumors are that they were trying desperately to shop Phillips, and maybe even they had a deal worked out that he rejected because he still has no, some no trade rights. And they said, all right, then, to hell with you. We're calling Ozzy up anyway. You lose your job. Except then he didn't really lose a starting job. He's Snitker's pretty much announced he's my everyday third baseman now going forward. And, and so this is what's interesting. The Braves have also put Matt Adams in left field because Matt Kemp made his trade value go from small to none at the deadline right. by coming up uh, with a hamstring problem. Right. Which yeah, Matt Kemp was, was one guy that, you know, I had some hope there might be an American League team that would like him down the stretch. His contract is, is probably enough reason that wasn't going to happen. But the fact that he hasn't hit at all in six weeks and he hasn't played at all in two weeks because of the hamstring, you know, who's going to give up anything for a guy who might not do anything the rest of the year? So... Yeah, we're stuck with Matt Kemp this offseason, figure out what will happen there. And again, I mean, we have the offseason for him and Marcakis. Yeah. That, and if you want to trade un- Matt Adams. Right. Or even the catchers, right? Yeah, that, the, the, the people that were on. I guess Suzuki doesn't have a contract for next year. Suzuki, I thought they might trade because he's had kind of insane power numbers over the last few weeks. He's putting he, – he's – He's done something he's never done in his career in terms of power. I thought there might be somebody that would want him, but the Braves may have decided, well, we're okay with our catching duo. There was something on the broadcast last night. The Braves catchers uh, lead the National League in most offensive categories <laughs> as a duo. It's pretty amazing to think. Two, two career guys who are you know, defense first and maybe primarily backup catcher types, and they're both having career years. You I mean, know, it's so weird. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean anything in the long run, but it's one reason the Braves have been more competitive than they otherwise might have been as offense out of that position. Uh, I mean, Kurt Kazuki was hitting cleanup this week. Yes, well, I guess justifiably so, although that's more about the <laughs> right team. Anyway, I do think what's kind of amazing is I don't care that the Braves managed to lose six games. I don't care that they didn't trade Brandon Phillips, mostly because I think they still will put him somewhere that's not third base in Atlanta in the next few weeks. Because Ozzy came up and (laughs) decided to in style, sort of. I mean, he didn't win the game. But in the ninth inning uh, last night, he becomes the first player born in 1997 to hit a home run in the majors. I didn't realize that number. Uh, Ozzy, I've been so excited about him. We've and I've, I've really only seen glimpses of him, um, and and I'm I'm just really high on the guy. 
uh, everything I've read about him and a little bit I know about him coming along. So it's really pretty exciting to have him up. He went his first three games without um, getting a hit uh, up until the ninth inning of his third game. But yes, as you as you say, his first hit was was pretty fantastic—a three-run home run. Now the Braves were down seven to one at the time, and then they promptly made a couple more outs to end the game. Um, but but still, uh, the other thing—and this may seem small—I'm actually I was actually impressed watching him at the plate. He walked three times during this stretch leading up to the home run. So, so the odd thing is. He's, he's only one for eight in terms of at-bats and batting average, so a 125 batting average. On the other hand, in 11 plate appearances, he's um, reached base four times because he's, he's taking a lot of pitches. And you'd think a kid, only 20 years old, looking for his first major league hit, would get a little desperate and would start flailing away, but showing just a great eye and great patience small sample size alert that doesn't necessarily mean anything but it does show what we've read about him all along he's really got a great approach at the plate um and he's also got some pop as we saw in the last at bat he 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 really got a hold of it um and you know he's a little guy but everybody says he's got a lot more power than you might think well he's exciting i know it's we're just getting started but i'm glad we're started as I've mentioned to you, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, uh, I can't watch Braves-Dodgers games on TV. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's frustrating. Because uh, I cut the cord on cable, so I have Sling, which means I can't get Sportsnet LA, which is the Dodgers yeah. channel, uh, and also wins the prize for worst name for a regional cable thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, normally I don't miss that because I don't really want to see Ned Coletti and Nomar Garcia Parr break down the Dodgers or anything. Right. But obviously I missed it and you know, the game where it would have been Lucas Sims and Ozzy Alvis both making their major league debuts. I was like, oh, go- oh wait, no. The team that, that plays that five minutes from exciting, me I can't see on TV. By the way, well I, I saw it of course. Um, and I, it I means didn't... I can't see it on MLB.tv because I live yeah, five I'm, minutes I'm, from Dodger Stadium. I am so I'm, in the zone. I, I understand. I can hear the fireworks. Um, <laughs> but I did see that the, the first game that Albies played was also the Major League debut of Lucas Sims, of course. That was Tuesday of this week. Um, Sims got the call up, uh, I guess taking the, the Garcia spot that they'd let Blair. I mean, they're just trying to work out timing and all. Um Anyway, Sims is up to stay, I think, and yes. Sims looked pretty good. Um, he gave up three runs, I guess, in his um, six-inning start. Um, quality start. It, yeah, it was the very the textbook definition yes. of a quality start. But he he looked sharp, and as the announcer kept saying, he's aggressive, meaning unlike Sean Newcomb, he didn't fall behind most hitters who came up. Um, he was getting the ball in the zone. Um, he's... He's going to give up some home runs, I suspect, um, which he did a little bit of. But on the other hand, he's got good stuff. You know, he was the number one draft pick five years ago now. We've been hearing about Lucas Sims a long time. Um, but I think he's up to stay. But he's out of high school, so he's still just like 22. There will be growing pains. But, you know, the future is what you and I keep talking about over and over every week. We talk about the minor leagues so much. I've been wanting to see more of these prospects get a shot at the big league level and this week we got a couple of them and obviously so we will fun. 
see we'll, more we'll see a lot more coming up in September, maybe um, especially. Yeah, I mean, Ronald Acuna as a 19-year-old is hitting 325, 398, 566 at AAA in 94 plate appearances. Acuna, oh he, man. He's kind of saying he's ready to come up. He also, weirdly, um, has struck out 19 times in walk 9 and has tried to steal 6 bases and only actually stolen 2. So there are some kinks to work out there. Yeah. You can't throw the guy a fastball, clearly. Right. Uh, Acuna, I think well, there's an excellent chance we'll see in September, and I think there's every chance he'll have, he may be a front runner for a starting job in next year's opening day. John Hart was on, maybe it was the Tuesday game we're talking about on the TV broadcast, which of course you didn't get to see. No. Nope. Um, but anyway, John Hart um, was. You know, talking about a lot of things without without revealing much, but he was asked very directly about when we might see Acuna in an Atlanta uniform, and would he get a September call up? And he's very cagey about it. Say, so, well, you know, that that just remains to be seen. We'll have to see, but it'd be pretty exciting. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to play any of those games. Oh, what's the rule? You know, like the Cubs Super did with two. Chris Bryant. Um, I'm talking about you know wh- whether they will wait until. You know, he's whatever the deadline is early next season before they bring him up. Uh, I kind of doubt it. They did not do that with Jason Hayward, you know, right. who was maybe the most comparable. He started as a 20-year-old uh, on opening day, and Acuna's got numbers every bit as impressive as Jason Hayward's coming along. And hate to bring up Jason Hayward oh, yeah, because sure. that's one more example of how you can't count on prospects necessarily. Yeah, I love Jason, and Jason's had you know a decent major league career, but he's certainly not the um, the superstar we thought he was going to be at that stage. No, and I don't love Jason Hayward for that reason. Um, right. It's complicated. But the thing that we're talking about is Super Two arbitration for those who are unfamiliar, which basically most players almost the rule is actually after three seasons. Yeah you are arbitration eligible as a player, meaning you don't just get a renewed contract, you get to negotiate. Yeah. If you are part of the first grouping of players up, and so you have less than three years experience, and it moves every year, Yeah. then you are able to go into arbitration after two years, what's known as Super 2 arbitration. Usually these then, are very good players. And that costs that costs the club money because once they go into arbitration, they have to pay them a lot more than they would otherwise. But the bigger consequence is it takes a year off the free agency clock. So that yes. um, once you go into arbitration, then you know that's if you do it a year early, then you basically lose the player a year early to free agency if that's what's going to happen. Um, and so that's you know that's why a club even a club even as rich as the Cubs with everything that going played those games with Chris Bryant for example and you see that a lot. Um, on the other hand, the Braves are kind of desperate at this point. They've they've been you know a last place team and uh, struggling really again this year. The the excitement of starting the team with a guy like say say he has a great spring it would be really tough not to call him up. I think I mean have him on the opening day roster. Also, We're you know who the guys who do this? The guys that you really worry about with this are the ones who are college hotshots that are going to come up at 23, 24, a year or two after they were drafted and were represented by Scott Boris in the draft. Right, yeah. The 19-year-old guys who were international signings, 
you feel a little bit better about doing this for two reasons. One, you haven't already had the negotiation where they've played hardball. I mean, the other famous one before Bryant was Evan Longoria. Those are Golden Spikes winners. Right. Who had big contracts in the draft. Yeah, big difference. Um, But also... They they didn't play those games with Ozzy because... Albies was clearly ready. In fact, I kept thinking they might even get him up sooner. But I think really they were trying to see if they could get something for Phillips by the trade deadline. But clearly it was in their mind if he did well. And Ozzy started a little slow. You know, he had the, the season-ending injury at the end of last year and a little bit of a slow start. But by June and July, Ozzy was tearing it up at AAA. And, you know, he's, he, he's, he's ready. And I appreciate the fact that they didn't use some other artificial deadline. Um, and they didn't use the fact that it might, you know, piss Brandon Phillips off. Brandon Phillips has been good for the Braves, better than I predicted he would be. Um, but Yeah, Brandon Phillips has also been here of, a few months. You can't let a guy who's only got two months left as a Brave at, at most uh, dictate what you do with the future of the franchise. And I'm, that's why I'm impressed that they called Albies up and he is the second baseman. Um, why they decided Phillips still needs to be an everyday player and play a position he hadn't played since he was in the minor leagues 17 years ago, I'm not real sure. Except that they don't have another third baseman, yeah. which is the other thing. So much happened this week. At the, you know, you talked about Matt Adams playing left field. Well, why is he playing left field? Because Freddie Freeman's not a third baseman anymore. Yes. They, they clearly made the decision that that experiment is over. Uh, never made a whole lot of sense anyway. Um, Freddie wasn't bad. I mean, I... I mean, clearly Freddie Freeman wanted to do this, right? Right. We can it, it, say that now. By all accounts, he went to the team and said, I want to try this. And I think they said, oh, well, what the hell, let's give it a shot. Um, I mean, there's some clubs that would have said, no, that's crazy. We're not going to do that. They did it. He said because he wanted to make the playoffs and Matt Adams playing first was the way to do that. That was not realistic. But um, he, he didn't look too bad over there. He, you know, he's got a shoulder injury, apparently, at the moment, and that, that that alone is enough reason not to have him at third making those throws. But yeah. I, I don't think we'll be seeing Freddie at third. Also, anytime. he's very slow and has heavy feet. <laughs> well, that was a, <laughs> apart from that, yeah, he's, uh, he, he, he doesn't have range. He, he handled balls hit to him pretty well. Yeah, 971 fielding arm. percentage over there, there in 16 yeah. games. Uh, and, and a good solid arm, but... No, he, he doesn't belong at third base. He's back where he belongs. Um, where he but it means really the Braves good. do need a third baseman then. Um, at some point, I guess they'll call Swanson back up, and maybe he'll start playing shortstop again and slide Camargo over to third. But uh, they like Camargo. He's, he's, he's their regular shortstop at the moment. Um, I don't think they've made a decision to going forward past this year. I assume that sending Swanson down is still just a matter of giving him a chance to, you know, play every day, not at the major league level, and work on whatever the problems are he has and hitting a slider and hitting otherwise, really. Well, and it's interesting because all of these things are, what is the best lineup for the Braves on the field right now? And that assumes what Snitker is thinking about more than anything Which he has else. to, by the right. way. And, and, you know, if they... If they have an August and September this year like they did last year, he may get another year on his contract. I'm not sure they were planning to keep Snitker even last year. He was an interim, but, man, they had a great August and September, and he knows that. Um, he, he wants to win now. The front office, you know, 
has some other goals in mind the rest of the year. So that's that'll be interesting how it plays out. And that's probably why he's got Phillips at third. I don't know who else would have made that decision. I uh, probably figures I'd rather have him in the lineup than, you know, whatever, it, Santana, Sean Rodriguez. Uh, Sean Rodriguez, by the way, we're also seeing a lot of him lately. Um, he wasn't ready, was he? That, that horrible injury. Admirably worked hard to come back earlier than they thought, but he didn't get enough preparation before they stuck him in the big leagues. He does not look good at all. Yeah, but, I mean, so what? He's Yeah, I know. Uh, they signed him for a couple of years. Um, get some good work into the offseason, a good spring training. He may be the utility fill-in guy next year with some right-handed pop off the bench that they were hoping for, but they're not seeing it now. Although, by the way, he's hitting 171 in his 44 plate appearances so far. But he has hit two home runs and a double and walked seven times. Yeah, you know. So if he got that um, to 250, you'd actually take it from a utility. Which is, which is really what you, I mean, that that's what Sean Rodriguez has never been that good a hitter until last year. And all of a sudden he showed a good bit more power. He's never going to hit for a high average. But if he's got that kind of isolated power and he walks, yeah, that's, he's pretty good. But a 170 batting average is not going to get the job done. And if I'm not mistaken, he has struck out in at least half his at-bats. <laughs> that, that's not sustainable, right? But we're also talking about the guy being the backup infielder. Right. So he doesn't need to hit like an all-star Yeah. to be kind of worth what we're paying him and what his role is going to be. Yeah. He's started more games than he hasn't since they brought him up, which is part of the problem, I think, though. But, but that's it's just a funny roster at the moment. Um, all, the, all that'll shake out over time, and it'll look pretty different next year. Um, but he'll be a part of the roster next year. Uh, Brandon Phillips won't. But Ozzy Albies will be the starting second baseman. That seems pretty clear. Yeah, and I would uh, bet that Dansby Swanson is the starting shortstop. Unless oh, that's absolutely craters. I mean, I, I don't. At triple A. I mean, he's right, and he's he's not tearing it up at Triple A. He's he's got Been still got some work to do, but it's early yet. Um, I mean, he'll he'll have every chance in the spring to be the regular starting shortstop come next April. Um, but he's he's got some work to do to show him he's ready to handle it because you know he had he had flashes. Um, it's not like Swanson came up and showed he could never hit major league pitching, as we've said before. He was damn good in August and September. He had an OPS of 800 right mm-hmm. last year. I mean, it's a small sample size. Pitchers adjust, which they did. They learned, hey, slider, that's what we need to throw him. Um, and his April and May were pretty horrible. But he had a good June. Again, his his numbers in June this year were a lot like they were in August and September last year. And then he fell off the table again in July. So, Well, right, he um, can hit a fastball. The problem is right. he needs to get a fastball. Right. I mean, that's maybe oversimplifying it, but... And he's got a fair amount of patience, so he, he doesn't he doesn't swing at too many bad pitches. Um, but if someone so can throw a slider at the knees anywhere near the plate, yeah. he's hopeless. Right. And until he can learn to do something with that pitch, um, he's going to struggle. He may not even be a regular at the major league level. But, you know, um, he was the number one draft pick in all of baseball, you know, outstanding college player, and did pretty well in the one or so years of minor league ball. On the other hand, he never got past double A. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody says he was rushed. He you know, hadn't had time to really make adjustments that everybody needs to coming along. In retrospect, yeah, hell, that seems fairly obvious now. 
but what do you do with him? Well, they decided to let him play some AAA now and see how that works. But all, all of that's a way of saying, yeah, of course, the, the, the plan has to be you want Swanson to be the shortstop going forward. Um, but Well, and in terms of plans for next year, the Sonny Gray conversations were interesting because yeah. clearly it, Copy was talking to Billy Bean regularly, but I can't imagine they were ever that close. You know, the rumors you read, which, you know, probably are not accurate anyway, was that, that Bean was insisting on Acuna. <laughs> but then, that's, that's who did he actually starter. get back for Sonny Gray? Dustin Fowler, who's never met a pitch he doesn't like. And is right. a capable 23-year-old outfielder. But also, he might have an okay major league career, or he might be a backup. Right. Jorge Mateo, who is the kind of, like guy that's like, well, if he can stick it short and reaches his offensive potential, that's a possible all-star. Neither of those are guaranteed. Right. And then an injured pitcher. The Braves could have... We have injured pitchers. ...top that package very easily with all of their right. prospects, and I guess I'm I'm pleased that they didn't do it. That's where I started this conversation. I like Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's not an ace that puts you over the top. He's exactly what the Yankees needed. The Yankees are, you know, at least one starting pitch short of being, you know, a team that can go a long way this year, it seems to me. that they, They're putting together a pretty good lineup, and they've got the kids who are playing well. Um, but they, they're they counting on Sabathia, uh, who's over the hill, and Severino, who may not be quite ready yet. They, they needed another pretty good starting pitcher. And, and they got one. Yeah, they went out and did the deadline deal for that, but also... The guys I mentioned are probably closer to panning out than anyone copy would have given up. That's, By which yeah. I mean he wasn't giving up Acuna or Alves. <laughs> right. And and that's that's why what I'm pleased about. But that you know talking about next year, the Braves still have a need in the in the rotation. I mean it's great that Newcomb's up. Now we've got Sims up. But you know Newcomb pitched last night. This the the last wasn't game bad. against the Dodgers. He. he he, he only gave up uh, four hits in his four and two-thirds innings, and he struck out seven. That's what Newcomb does. But he also was Newcomb at his worst in that he walked seven yeah. in that almost five I was going to say, he also wasn't good last night. Um, no, that's, he, he was Newcomb, which is he's got great stuff. He strikes out a fair number of people, um, and he, sometimes he gets out of trouble, and sometimes he gets into terrible trouble. Um he struck out Bellinger a couple of times looking great, um, bumping fastballs by him, actually. Um, but against right-handed hitters, he said, maybe this is not consistent from start to start, but it sure looked like he was nibbling against the right-handers and he couldn't throw the ball over the plate, whereas lefties, he was pretty much dominating. Um, Newcomb, if you look at his numbers in the eight or nine games that he's started as a big leaguer now, he's... He's pretty much done what he was doing at Double A AA and Triple A, which is strike out a good many people, not get that many hits. But he's walking, you know, one every every two innings. About, Worse. Uh, it's more like five per nine now, isn't yeah. it? And, after and last night, that went after, higher. It was it was it was below four point five per nine last night, and after last night, it's over five per nine. Well, if he would just walk three per nine. Um, he'd be he'd be pretty good major league pitcher if he could walk two per nine innings he'd be a you know all star. Um, 
easier said than done, obviously. He knows that. The pitching coach knows that. Um, and at some point, you keep thinking, he's going to learn to do this and find the strike zone. But um, I, I'm still glad he's up. Let's let him keep trying this and see if he can figure it out. On the other hand, you know what made Mike Fultonavich a lot better this year? What's he realized that? if he could throw it anywhere near the outside corner for a strike, yeah, it's just, I mean, even the best major league hitters are not going to do much with that fastball. Yeah. N- Newcomb, um, he just doesn't command the fastball as well as you'd like, though, because, yeah, if, I mean, he, yeah. if he could throw that 96-mile-an-hour fastball on the corner, um, he'd get everybody out. And, and surely he knows that, and he's been told that. But somehow he missed. he's got great off-speed stuff, too, but... I've seen too many times when he's sort of pitching backwards, he and he starts with the off speed, trying to get one over, and he misses, uh, and then he's behind in the count, and he didn't want to groove one. First start, and that's probably Flowers, I guess, or maybe the pitching coach from the bench calling the game. But he started with he started a lot of hitters with breaking stuff, as to which he's got very good breaking stuff. Um, and he was getting a fair number of them over for strikes. And then when you throw in the 90s, um, I mean, Newcomb, upper 90s, if, if he's ahead in the count, I mean, this is, <laughs> maybe even Joe Simpson was making this point, but when Newcomb's ahead in the count, he's almost unhittable. When he falls behind in the count, he's in deep trouble. Well, yeah, no shit. That's true for almost any pitcher, right. but it's especially true for Newcomb. And anyway, the point of all this is, the Braves have so many young pitchers coming along, but I'm not sure any of them are ready to be top-of-the-rotation kind of starters. Fulte is turning the corner. He's getting a little better all the time. They're def- He's their best pitcher. They're counting on him. Julio, who knows what to expect. That's one reason they were talking about Gray, right? They just yeah. feel like Tehran is not somebody they can count on going forward. Sonny Gray is probably pretty similar pitcher to, to Tehran. You look at their career, they're close to the same age, similar career Except numbers. he's been but... pitching his best season this year, and Tehran has been pitching his worst. Exactly. So the trend. It's also true, by the way, that Gray gets a lot more ground balls than Tehran. That's part of the problem. Playing in this home park where the ball does really seem to carry, um, you, you, you probably need pitchers that don't give up so many fly balls, and Tehran's always been a fly ball pitcher. And that doesn't work to his advantage this year, obviously. Um, so many of the other ones are, too. I mean, Newcomb last night got out of a big jam in the third inning, only giving up one run. Looks like he's settling down. And what's he doing in the fourth? He promptly walks somebody, and the next guy hits a home run. So, um, you know, Fulte seems to do that still too often. You know, be, be fairly dominant, but then walk somebody or two, and all of a sudden a fly ball goes over the fence. That's That, that kills him over and over again. But having said that, Fultonavich, um, you can count on next year. Um, beyond that, what do they have? I mean, I assume Newcomb, unless pitchers. he implodes, will have a starting spot next year. What's that? Newcomb has a starting spot next year unless and, he and, Yeah, I'm just saying they're unproven, unproven people. Right. Like Newcomb is in the rotation next but year. But here's what I was going to say. In the rotation next year. Did we name the two that I would... I think that's the only two I would bet on being in the Braves rotation at the start of next year. And here's yeah. why. I don't think they're going to, like, demote Tehran or make him a bullpen piece or something, but I think they'd trade him. I think they would love to trade him. I think they were probably trying to trade yeah. him uh, in July. But... And probably it's easier to make a deal for a guy like that in the offseason. 
I think that's they can true. Do more research. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you've got two starters to pencil in. And and then you've got um, several more pitchers that that might be close to ready. Sims, assuming he doesn't, he does okay the rest of the way and looks okay in the spring. He'll have one of the spots too, probably. Yeah. But behind Newcomb and Sims are the pitchers that are ranked more highly than by almost everybody who ranks prospects. The problem with them is they are, you know, younger and in fact haven't even pitched a AAA yet. Yeah. Um, Soroka, Allard, Gohara. Um, Gohara, actually, um, he may be the next one. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I guess if Patrick Weigel... He, he did just get called up, and he looked awfully good. Yeah. Weigel's out for the year. For, forget Weigel for next year. Well, I, was, I mean, his... But isn't he only out for this year? No, his his Tommy John didn't happen until, like, June, right? Oh, I and, guess in so. In which case, so, I mean, yeah, he may... I was going to say... We may see him in August and September, but... I thought he that. could come back for the, like right beginning of spring training but i guess you're right oh no no it was it was well into the year before it happened but i was also going to say you know who the other guy who's gotten a start at triple a that like might be a prospect for the future is patrick weigel who by the way is injured yeah that's Uh, right weigel would have been in their plans because he's you know a little older than these other prospects and is he was hell he was the pitcher of the year in the Braves minor league system last year he was it's a shame about that but that's the story of pitching prospects right yeah, so there are some issues. I think the Braves will be closer to contention next year. But here's the other thing I was looking at and thinking about. Rio Ruiz has been a disappointment this year. Uh, yes and no. He's been a okay. disappointment in that he hasn't no? you know, stepped it up to get a whole lot better. But, you know, he's not bad. Um, he did not succeed, really, in his very brief call-up. Although even there he showed some flashes, but hell, he was only up a couple of weeks. His AAA numbers, and he's just 22 years old. That's the are, point. Well, he's 23, but okay. Um, what are his AAA numbers? Do you happen to have yes. them there? He has hit 248 on the year, which is disappointing. Yeah. With a 312 on base and a 430 slugging. Yeah. So he's still walking and hitting for some power, mostly doubles, but you that, know. that's that's really what I meant. Obviously, if he gets called up to the major leagues and he puts up exactly that line, you'd say, well, that might work for a third baseman, maybe on a platoon roll. But, of course, most people, when they get called up from AAA to um, the big leagues, their numbers go down. So he, he's he's not there and he's not ready. I just I guess what I'm saying is it's too early to give up on him. Absolutely. But it's, but it's also certainly the case you can't say okay we got our third baseman of the future and we can look to him next year at third almost certainly not but you can probably play around and go we can give Rio Ruiz a chance he's a guy we're still interested in possibly being a real player for us and you know I love platoons so that's in my mind still but the other thing is it gives some of the flexibility to what do the Braves need to go and get offensively but I think yeah. there's still a third baseman or a corner outfielder or both. M- mainly a corner outfielder. Yeah, they need a third baseman. They don't have one going into next year. Camargo would probably be the third baseman if Swanson's the shortstop. But I, as much as I've loved what Camargo's done, and you know, you were high on this Not guy even in spring training, he is not going to be 
a really good major league hitter, uh, not unless he learns uh, some strike zone judgment. His his strikeout to walk ratios are horrendous. He's he's hits the ball with some authority, but you can't. They have improved success. in the last week. Okay. And by improved, I mean they went from oh my god, you're really a major leaguer with that ratio to that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Camargo, I, I love the guy. He plays great defense. He hustles. Um, he seems like a great guy to have on the roster. Um, but I, if he's the starting third baseman, don't look for a whole lot of offense out of the position, no. I guess. As but a the starting other thing, shortstop, he'll give you enough, probably. But also, when I was um, touting Johan Camargo before the season, it was entirely on the... This guy's probably going to have like a decade-long major league career because he's a good defensive infielder and he can turn on a fastball and you know lace it places. And I think you're right. He's exceeded even those expectations by you know having a batting average over 300 yeah. with some pop. Um, I mean, I will say run this week. in the last six games, the last week basically, he's walked three times, struck out three times. Now that could be who he's faced. Th- three times. walks in the last week doubles his walk total before this week started, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, no, uh, he has eight on the year, but you're close. Okay. He, he, but it, ten days ago, he had three, I know. The last yeah. time I looked at it, which wasn't that long ago. So that's that's a really good sign. Um, if Camargo could only, you know, walk, you know, 40 times in a year instead of ten. Well, and <laughs> he, really, he could be pretty good. my worry was always that he would basically be a guy who would be able to make contact on borderline pitches. Yeah. And so he'd not hit the ball with authority as much as he needs to, but he is hitting the ball with authority. Yeah. You know, the comp everybody says when they see him is Martin Prado. And that, that's pretty interesting because, you know, Prado did not have particularly good offensive numbers uh, as a minor leaguer, but everybody liked him and he played great defense. He's very versatile. Um, and Prado's had a you know really good major league career now for a decade. Yeah, can I say that I don't see it? Yeah. I just don't get that one. First of all, he's a switch hitter. That stuff always bothers me. Anytime lefties and righties right. are compared to switch hitters. Anyway, um, I might get over that. I probably won't. Uh, I think he's a better athlete than Prado ever was. Probably so. He's got a hell of an arm. Um, he seems to be a little quicker. Prado really wasn't a shortstop. He played that a little bit, but Camargo's a... Very legit major league shortstop. Yeah. He's got those kinds of reflexes. Um, and I think, I mean, Prado ended up having some really phenomenal offensive seasons considering where he was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Camargo seems to have more offensive talent. Now, I think Prado is one of the smartest players I've ever watched. Yeah. That guy almost never made the wrong move. He would make quick yeah. decisions that were correct. He never beat himself at the plate. That's what that's what everybody loved about Prado. Me too. The one place where Prado didn't have as high a baseball IQ. Remember that old Bill James came up with that measure a while back, and I yeah. can't remember everything that went into it. Prado would be really high on it. it and who, Joe Morgan, I think, may have had the highest of all time when you figure yes, out the base running. Yes, in fact, I think if anyone wants to making. look for it, I'm pretty certain it's in the Joe Morgan comment <laughs> in Pro- the historical so. baseball abstract. But, but in any event, the crucial difference is um, Prado never had good strike zone judgment. Or, or let me put it this way. He just never walked all that much. Um, he actually had a good eye at the plate. What I remember about Prado was um, he could put the bat on the ball 
with two strikes, um, I don't think he ever took a call third strike. He, he was swinging with two strikes, and he didn't swing and miss that much. He managed to get bad on the ball, but he didn't hit the ball very hard very often with two strikes because they weren't grooving the pitch for him. Um, I always thought Prado would be an even better player, um, but what do I know? He's, he, he's done pretty well. But you know what? And here's the other thing about expectations, and I'm glad we went on this tangent on Prado, actually. We don't think of him as a superstar. He made exactly one all-star game in 2010. Yeah. His 26-year-old year, so he had a weird cratering at 27, which I still don't get. But basically, in his prime, he made an all-star game. Oh, yeah. And several other years where he was a good contributing player. Right. As a 24-year-old in 2008, he was only in 78 games, 254 plate appearances, but he hit 320. With a 377 right. on base percentage and a 461 slugging. That's yeah. not a guy who's going to be in the MVP conversation, but he also played all over the place. He's a great guy to have, especially with that defensive And then the next two years were his identical seasons where he hit 307 each year. Right. Um, he was better in the second one, even though he walked well, a slight bit more, but he played more in the second one is really why I, I think we all more. agree if um... – if Camargo could put up those kind of numbers for seven years in a row, Prado-type numbers, right? man, what a great guy to have. And you know <laughs> I'd what? Lo- I'd love to see it happen. I'm still skeptical. Again, his 27-year-old year, I have no idea what that was. Yeah, still. I'd forgotten about that. Then he yeah. came back, he hit 301, and basically did a lot of what he had done the two years before. Although, really, it looks like his batting average on balls and play cratered. Yeah. And he was slightly hurt. With a guy like that, that's going to happen. It's going to vary from year to year. Um, You're putting a lot of balls in play and a fair number of them on the ground. Some get through, some don't, you know. But then, you know, we got three good years out of four and then traded him along with Nick Ahmed, Randall Delgado, Brandon Drury, and Zeke Spruill for Chris Johnson and Justin Upton. Yeah. All names I'm bringing up because apparently Nick Ahmed and Brandon Drury never left the Diamondbacks. That was weird. Um, I don't know what Randall Delgado is doing now. But also... He's, he's still with the Diamondbacks, I believe. I'm pretty sure he's pitching out of their bullpen, even this whatever. year. I didn't yeah. follow it close enough. Uh, you might not have followed this uh, with what was happening at Gwinnett, but Chris Johnson basically gave Chris Medlin a bad start at Gwinnett earlier this week. Chris Johnson? Yeah, that Chris Johnson. <laughs> that Chris Johnson. <laughs> Which I feel it's necessary to say because it's not like... One of my least favorite players the Braves have ever had, by the way. Um, you know, get, losing Martin Prado and in part getting back Chris Johnson was really a bad thing for the Braves. <laughs> I mean, and talk about complete opposites other than both right. being right-handed hitters. Yeah. Prado, you know, was smart. He sort of played Everybody for himself. Everybody loved Martin Prado in the clubhouse, too. Um, smart I mean, player. I think they like Chris guy. Johnson. I think Chris Johnson's yeah. a good guy. Chris Johnson never met a fastball he didn't like. He yeah. met curveballs he learned he didn't like after the fact. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, and, anyway. But what I was going to say is, I mean, the Chris Johnson thing, Justin Upton gave us two good seasons and then weirdness. Uh, the Upton brothers. Right. Yeah. There's a whole book to be written on what happened with their careers. Uh, but you know what? We don't need everybody to turn into the next Chipper Jones. Right. If, <laughs> if we nice, can get a few more happen. Martin Prados, that's very good. True. 
Um, and that's also my point on Ruiz. If Rio Ruiz can kind of have, and you know, maybe not next year, but a few seasons after that, his triple A average. Be a productive major league player. I'm with you on that. He may not be, but you can't give up on him yet. That's the point. Well, but in 847 um, plate appearances at triple A, Rio Ruiz has had a triple slash line of 262, 339, 411, and he's 23. Yeah. He ends up doing that in the majors, 25, 26, 27. That's a valuable contributor. Right. And he may very well. Um, so we'll see. Right. You, you mentioned a while back, we've been talking about third base mainly. The big need next year is corner outfield. Um, well, one. I think that is that is the big need. We, we're going to uh, have two Venezuelans outfield. manning two of the spots and uh, two guys who can really fly. Acuna is the right fielder. Um, let's assume that for the moment. I would love to see that happen. The Braves would love to see that happen. They got their all-star in center field and Ender. Um, I mean, may, maybe they slide Marcakis over to left and he and Kemp platoon or something. But or? I don't want to see the two of them in the lineup every day. By the way, let's give Marcakis his due. He got his 2000th yes. major league hit last night. Um, he is steady as he can be. The problem is he's really just not that good. Um, and I, I don't mean to be critical of Nick Markakis. He's, he's, he could be a valuable player uh-huh. under certain circumstances. But the other problem with Markakis is defensively he is a shell of his former self. He won a gold glove with Baltimore. Maybe he didn't deserve it. I don't know that much. But he's not a good right fielder. Well, didn't did he is win? Really limited. Arm is really limited. Did he win one of the first corner outfield ones when they split it up? I can't or did he remember. win an old? I don't remember when they did it. Um, and I'm not really yeah, I'm sure that's true. That. I think he won it as a right fielder. Um, but but what, still, do you know what his OPS plus is right now? What? Yes, you do. 100. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a guess, but that's Nick I've Mark done this like right? three times this season where I've asked yeah. you that and it's been that. So you should have guessed it. Um, he, he's a robot, yep. which 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 would be great if he was a robot with an OPS plus of 120 or 140. But also, um, if in the offseason you're not a contender... Or 90 either. Yeah. No, but look at this. If you're a contender in the offseason and you have a gaping hole in corner yeah. outfield in February, Nick Markakis is going to look really good. He's not going to look really good. He'll look, well, maybe we can plug the hole. Well, no, he's going to look really good because what the hell are the Braves going to want for him? That's true. They they and, give him away for nothing. I think. Yeah. Um. If, and they owe him one more year on no, the contract. I know exactly what copy would take for him. Uh, high ceiling, a ball arm who has some injury issues, and if he develops, could be really good. Yeah, that's that's exactly <laughs> who he's going to get for him. Um. So that's the other thing. If you've got that, you can play ball. Um. The thing that actually interests me is maybe Matt Adams is the guy to keep out there. Yeah. I, you know, he just started playing left field this week. I've only seen him out there in one game. Um, but all account, I never saw him play it with the Cardinals either. By all accounts, he was pretty dreadful in left field. Right. We have he, seen he him run the much, bases, so we know yeah. that he can't really run that well. Um, he couldn't be any worse than Matt Kemp in left field. Exactly. Me. Well, that's not true. Matt Kemp has pretty good instincts. I mean, he played center field. In fact, I think he won a gold glove, which he didn't deserve, but back when he still had legs that worked. Yeah. Um, the problem with Matt Kemp is he can't move at all out there. Um, 
Matt Adams has exactly the same problem. He never could move. But at least Kemp's been an outfielder all his life. Matt Adams has played very little outfield, so he has the potential to be worse than Matt Kemp out there, I would think. But what the hell, they're going to give him a shot at it while Kemp's still out. Might as well. You got him on the roster. Let him play at least against righties. I mean, I think in his career, if I'm looking at this right, Matt Kemp has, or I mean, Matt Adams has so far played eight games in the outfield. They were all this year. Oh, he played. He played no, um, no. a fair number of games in left field for the Cardinals. Yep, I thought seven, like we a month's worth. That's all it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought so, he played more than that. We don't really okay. have the evidence. On the other hand, even in a small sample size, that is a low range factor. Well, and it's clear the Cardinals were willing to trade him for next to nothing because they decided he couldn't play left field and they didn't need him at first base. So that's. I mean, um, by the way, that exact kind of thing is why you do not make those kinds of deals. Yeah. And we should actually, when we're talking about possible deals for next year for the Braves, you you try and figure out what guys can do. This is actually the right, right move because currently uh, Matt Carpenter at first base is hitting 249, 376, 445. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a second that's not baseman, those are really good fire. numbers. But as their right fielder, Stephen Piscotty, is hitting 232, 344, 363. Their left fielder, Tommy Pham, is hitting well, but I had never heard of Tommy Pham until this year, and he's 29 years old, and I don't really think that he's going to turn into Mini Minoso all of a sudden. I think that's right. you know, the idea that you couldn't have stuck Matt Carpenter out there or tried Matt Adams is a poor thing. I mean, you've got some problems. Carpenter's hitting well, but he's not setting the world on fire. As I say, for a first baseman, those numbers aren't anything to get excited about. So that should be a lesson to us that you don't just give up guys because they don't fit certain ideals. Well, they didn't trade Adams uh, before the trade deadline. They've got him under contract for next year. Um, if, if this was the last year of his contract, yeah, he'd have been gone and just let him go. But I think they, they want to see if there's something they can do with him. I'm pretty sure it won't be as a first baseman, though. No. As, as the new Eric Hensky, a guy who might get spot starts occasionally and a good left-handed bat off the bench, uh, that might work. Um, his his splits are, are, I think, traditionally have been pretty dramatic. He's a whole lot better against righties. At least Snickers pretty much only been playing against righties over the last several weeks. Um, but Matt Adams may be part of the conversation. I mean, the left field spot next, assuming Acuna comes up and he plays right, big assumption, but let's make best-case scenario assumptions. Um, you've got, and let's assume Swanson turns it around. He's the shortstop. Uh, second base and shortstop are the duo we've been counting on. you got center field and right field. You know, an established all-star and a potential superstar. You've got your MVP candidate at first base. Um, they got Tyler Flowers for another year. Right. Let's see if he can continue sure, to hit. Why not? Um, but third base and left field are your holes, right? Yeah. Um, under but that scenario, how big of a hole are they if it's Camargo and Adams at the start of next year? Not not terrible. That, that's that's right? a whole lot better. Which than, also means you can make some decisions. I'll a lot also better say than this: Adonis Garcia, by the well, way, yeah. which is where they started this year. Although third. he might be back soon. Um, <laughs> right. I also will say this. Matt Adams didn't get traded, but neither did Yonder Alonso. 
And Yonder Alonso yeah. has had a better season. He's a better defensive player at first base. And right. Oakland had much more of a reason to move him. Yeah. And by the way, the Yankees needed a first baseman. Um, their first baseman now is Chase Headley since they yep. traded for Todd Frazier, yep. which <laughs> that surprised me. But anyway. So there you go. Um, that is not how that should have worked out, but Headley's been <laughs> weird. Uh, right. So I think that there was a problem with the market. But yeah. for some and reason, they, people they, decided not to give season, up for You know what they, they always say is some teams are desperate at the trade deadline, but the advantage of the offseason is you got 29 teams that are potential buyers as opposed to, you know, five or six that you got in July. So um, that's that's the thinking on all these guys that they still have. Phillips and Dickey um, and Suzuki, their contracts are up this year. Um, Dickey, they may actually they got an option on Dickey. Seems to me, I'd, which they may I'd very well it. exercise. Right? I would. I mean, given how he's pitched, he's a guy you want to have with all the uncertainty of the young guys. And I just love R. A. Dickey um, for his any knuckleballer knuckle we ball. are going to love, and, a, and an interesting personal story too. Yeah. Um, so so Dickey may be back. Um, they could sign Kurt Suzuki again to go with Flowers, I suppose. Um, the big problem for next year, this is taking it back full circle, is the rotation. And, and it's ironic because the Braves' strength are their young pitchers. But um, do you think there's a chance that Mike Soroka is in the starting rotation come April? He's had you know just an Possibly. incredible year at Double A as a 19-year-old. Presumably, does he get called he, up to Triple A this year? He hasn't yet. What's interesting is they called up Gohara rather than Soroka last week um and and the explanation which i don't really understand is because kahara is going to have to be added to the 40-man roster um or else subject to rule five but i'm not sure why he had to go to triple a instead of double i'd also be fine with the explanation that Luis gahara is built um like a nose tackle and therefore has a much more limited clock and let's go ahead and get him up yeah that's probably true too i would make a more brazilian reference with the sport but you can't play any popular form of Brazil with that body. That's why he's a pitcher. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, what's exciting is they've, they've got, you know, Soroka Allard has, has had a good year, but not a dominating year. But again, he's 19 years old at double A. Um, Soroka has been incredible as double A as a 19 year old. Um, and Gohara has been almost as good as either one of them. And now he's a triple A. Uh, one or more of those guys may be in the rotation next year, although that's that's probably pushing things. But they, they'd probably rather not, but they might go to that. But then you still, but you've also got Kyle Wright, you know, this year's number one draft pick. And although he's pitched like two innings as a professional so far, um, Kyle Wright is not in the major league rotation at the start of next year, just innings wise. No, I no. I, what I, that, that wasn't the point I was going to make. By the middle of the year, he might be. Yeah. Um, if he pitches, they'll be aggressive with him. Hell, they are aggressive already. They already started him at high. His, his, he's in Florida yeah. right now. Which but is, we should also and, say and he will definitely wait. start at Double A next year, even Triple A. And if he pitches well, yeah, he'll be in Atlanta during the year. Because year. I was looking up his stats. Happy twentieth birthday to Mike Soroka. Oh, is it? Yeah, is it today? <laughs> August fourth, nineteen ninety-seven. Which well, also he's not means a teenager anymore. Let's call him up. Next year he will be playing his twenty year old season the way we figured these things. Oh, is that um, the way it works? Yeah. Well I think it's that's what somewhere I figured, in, yeah. 
July. He's, he and Allard are both 20-year-olds as of next year for baseball purposes. I think Allard is and a few months younger. It's it's really rare that you have a regular starting pitcher in the major leagues at age 20. I can't remember the Braves doing it since Steve Avery. And to me, it seems like yesterday, but that was nearly 30 years ago. And Avery um, did not set the world on fire as a 20 No, he had an ERA over five in his first year, and then he was excellent by his 21 year, which is sort of what you have to expect with people like that, right? Hell, Greg Maddox had an ERA over five in his first half season. Um, Tom Glavin had an ERA over five when he started out. and John Smoltz had like two or three years of that. Yeah. Smoltz was up and down. He'd have a stretch where he looked dominant. Okay, the guys turned the corner. And then like as late as the first half of 91, he was really pretty awful. And then the second half, he became John Smoltz again. But that happens even with, like I say, Hall of Fame pitchers, which is what makes me nervous about the Braves' rotation going forward. I love all these young guys. But you're not going to get three or four of them up at once, all pitching like all stars. <laughs> and I worry that you know the fan base will get impatient and say, "Oh, they're bums. This this rebuild is not working. These pitchers are no good, or any of that." Um, same thing is true with the offensive players. If I mean, you just it takes patience, and that's can be frustrating. But that's what we got to deal with. But we really need a Charlie Liebrandt, not an ace. <laughs> yeah, well, could be R.A. Dickey, but now you need somebody. R. Charlie Liebrandt won like 15 games for the worst of first Braves. He was he was just what they needed. I mean, he was 34 years old. He was just what they needed, except in the 10th inning of the 7th game of the 91 World Series. Whatever. He was not what they Can't needed then. Also, though, well, when did the Braves sign Charlie Liebrandt? I don't remember. Before the 1990 season. It, yeah, it was a year before their pennant-winning season, right? Uh, so these things take time to gel, and also he was coming off of a pretty bad season for Kansas City, although he had been really good the years before that. Uh huh. Um, you know, it's in nineteen ninety one he had a three four nine ERA in two hundred and twenty nine innings, yeah. striking out one hundred twenty eight people. Charlie Liebrandt was great, anyway. <laughs> um, but he gave up point seven home runs per nine innings and eight point three hits. That's what he did. Um, you couldn't hit the ball that hard against him. Right. But the point That's is... what he had going for him. That you'd hit the ball, but not very hard. Uh, for some reason, in 1985, Charlie Liebrandt was fifth in the Cy Young voting. I don't get that. But, I mean, he'd have a 2.690 ERA that year, but, like, fifth? Um, 85? Yeah. That's... Did Saberhagen win it that year, his teammate? Probably, yeah. Um, who, who I was thinking about him because he was another guy who made it up as a 20-year-old. Fair. But, you know, we're having a stretch back over 30 years now right. to, to get that. Obviously, there was Doc Gooden of the same era who was dominant as a 19-year-old. And no and one should have Doc Gooden's career anyway. <laughs> That's right. You don't want that to happen to a young pitcher. Uh, so they'll, they'll be cautious, I think. Um, but the real thing is, you know, my bringing up Charlie Liebrandt was you don't need spectacular. You need solid it's fine yeah that, that was part of the idea and you know cologne and garcia and dickey this year and garcia was pretty solid uh, dickey's turned out to be really pretty solid and cologne was a disaster that's, and that's I, the risk I think you run. Dickey Nobody... might still get traded i think phillips i can't imagine phillips is on this team in september yeah like i don't think you release him but you trade him for almost anything right yeah, I presumably he'll clear waivers and you know somebody will take him for something. 
And at that point, maybe Swanson comes back up if he's hitting well and Camargo moves right. to third. Or if he's not, Camargo's still your shortstop. And I guess it's Sean Rodriguez I, and Danny Santana. I, I sure hope that Swanson is the regular shortstop in September once Gwinnett's through, you know, the first yeah. of the month, rather than have him just sit around, um, give him another shot, see what he can do without any pressure in September. But that's that they'll decide. But that I'm saying if Phillips gets traded, you know, this afternoon, because, of course – then do you instantly call up Swanson? I'm not even sure you can. I guess it's been 10 days. Yeah, I think it's been long enough, but I'm not sure they've done what they wanted to with him at whatever they were trying to do at AAA, so probably not. But, I mean, we're still talking about the future, but it's kind of amazing that the Braves, um, when once in the week, they do nothing on trade deadline day. Obviously, they traded Garcia before that, but we are still here able to talk about a lot and are not so despondent about the future. No, and in um, fact, kind of uncertain about next even year. last night going into the game, you know, they had a shot at winning the season series against the Dodgers who were having as good a year as any team in baseball has had in several years. I mean, yeah. they are just dominant. And our Braves um, came within one game of winning the season series against them. Um, kind of a fluke, but <laughs> gives you some hope, I guess. On the other hand, then you have to remember the Phillies. Yeah. Swept in Philadelphia right before that. So, uh, on the other hand, we do get the Marlins and the Phillies at home this week, which might help. Um, Oh, and this weekend is what we used to always call old-timers weekend. Now they call it alumni weekend. So, um, a lot of nostalgia will be happening. Um, Seeing a lot of the old ones come back. Right. I mean... I like that anyway. Most people don't, but I get a charge out of it. I've never been as excited for that recently because they don't seem to do what used to be the old-timers game. And Yeah, they, they played a softball game the last time I went a couple of years ago, uh, which was sort of fun. Uh, I got to see Phil Necro swing a bat at age 75 or whatever he was, and that and he put pretty good wood on the ball. <laughs> oh, he's a better hitter than he was given credit for. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a better pitcher than a lot of people gave him credit for. So That's right. I do think, though... Uh, we are going to focus again towards the future because the Braves are not in this pennant race at all. This week absolutely confirmed it. Yep. But that doesn't mean they won't be uh, interesting to follow. We get to watch Ozzy. We get to watch Sean Newcomb. Uh, we might get to watch more young players come up. Lucas Sims will get to settle into the rotation. And whatever happens, however it breaks down, we will be here to talk about it each and every week on the Channel 17 podcast. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network. You can listen to every single one of our episodes at ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com. If you want to hear more about the 91 Braves, we had a whole episode about it over the offseason in context of doing an entire review of Braves history. So there are also, if you want to hear the bad seasons, that's there too. You can also find all of our episodes uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. And please do leave a rating and leave a review as well as subscribing on both of those platforms. That's how people can find out about us. You can also help people find out about us through social media. Uh, the Productive Leisure Network social media on Facebook and Twitter is at Prod Leisure. The not highly used Channel 17 podcast Twitter is at Channel 17 Pod. We might try and figure stuff out there. But you can also help us out uh, by becoming one of our patrons at Patreon, patreon.com slash Productive Leisure, which allows us to get small monthly contributions from patrons, which will maybe allow us to expand. And one of the other podcasts we do is the What Happened Today podcast, 
I talked about the Black Sox scandal, so I want to do sports history. If that sounds interesting to you, go to patreon.com slash productive leisure. Become one of our patrons. Help us get to something like that. And as always, check right back in here, however you listen to us. And thanks for listening, and see you next week.